Please leave me a rating and a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Thank you. And I think now when I explain to people who I am, I see like this kind of like gloss, glossy eyes. Like I don't understand what that is. And I think I like that now. Welcome to Your Eulogy, the podcast where we talk to someone about their life so that we can talk about their death. In today's interview, I talked to Gracie Horn. She tells me what it's like raising a kid in a white-dominated society. She talks about the love-hate relationship that many Americans and white Americans have with Native people. And she talks about how the Ceremony and nature of death has changed in modern times in reference to Dakota culture. When I asked my girlfriend who she admires and would be a good interview, she said, Hapistina Gracie Horn, or as she knows her as Gracie. Gracie is a friend of ours who has done large puppet slash mask art and other forms of community art engaging in the community with art, (laughs) like her work with the Heart of the Beast Puppet Theater and their May Day Parade, which unfortunately just announced that they're not going to be continuing due to putting on parades being expensive. She is an admirable person, that's for sure, but a good interview? We don't know. We have yet (laughs) to find out. (laughs) Of course. Um, Is there anything you'd like to add or correct in the introduction I gave you? No, that's good. Cool. Let's talk um, on your lap right now is our little friend Paha. Your uh, is she almost one? She no, she's five months. Five I mean, months. She's going to be halfway there next month, but she's five months old, and um, she's a chunk. <laughs> and I think, um, I think kids like change people. Kids really show. Who you really are. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like having my kids around people because I'm usually a hermit crab, um, but my kids are kind of my canaries because I won't go or work in areas that aren't safe for my kids, and um, and it's the same for like my contracts too. The people I work with, like it needs to be a safe environment. It needs to be family friendly. It needs because. I feel like the definition of family friendly is completely different from what native people say, like as being a Dakota person, Dakota woman. I think it's like different, like family's everything to us. Um, When you said family friendly, um, what type of difference would you, you were kind of talking about like the difference culturally between there's this kind of American or like white American idea of family friendly being almost a synonym to say this is boring yeah um can can you say more about that yeah i mean i feel like um my degree and my background is in museum studies so i always had this idea that i was going to go on a curation and it was going to be for this fabulous museum or fabulous gallery and i think when i had a child um i soon realized that that whole don't touch the walls in galleries that idea like a child can't touch the walls um that's not what like 
I feel like it's very restrictive. So with the American idea of family friendly, it's I feel like it's very restrictive. Like, don't um, let children play in the dirt or don't let um, kids, you know, run too fast outside and they must act a certain way in public. Whereas culturally for us, we're supposed to, at a certain point, like from baby to maybe 12, there's like this area where a kid's allowed to be however and whoever they want. So when we would have our doings, like a feast or like a ceremony, and if a kid is screaming their head off or if they're running around someplace, like a parent can't get after their child because it's their child, they're sacred. Like kids are super sacred to us. Mm -hmm. um, the word for children is Wakaija. Um, and for us, like that's like children are the epitome of like just sacredness. There's when we have a feast, when we're eating, there's a rule that the children eat first and then it's the elders and elders are the second part elders are s sacred to us as well they're they're like our treasure you know and so i feel like when it comes to this american definition of family friendly it's like okay well the, you must act perfect but for us there is no such thing as perfect and it's okay if your kid eats dirt you know like <laughs> <laughs> speaking of eating dirt Here's Gracie's experience wanting to eat dirt when she was pregnant. Which is like needing to eat earth or dirt. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't pika. I was like, I really like the smell of like musty dirt. So we used some of this pottery and some of them still have dirt in it. So I would like smell it. <laughs> Even like doing laundry was like the best part of my day. Because like soap and then smelling a musty basement. <laughs> it was so good. It's, it just smelled so good. So, And back to the interview. You know, um, parents, like this white American idea of parenting is even worse. Like, I, I almost hate it because um, as an artist and as a brown woman with brown children, it's, it's, it's very much... Um, like what we do is different and there's nothing more you know something that makes it more obvious is when our kids go to school you understand that it's it's culturally different and so um yeah and so for me uh, when I realized I didn't want to work in a gallery and I didn't want to work in a big museum that's because I figured like I don't want my children to be in this competitive artistic um, commodity of what art is. The first form of art in the United States and North America has always been community art. It's communal and it's almost utilitarian. The stuff that we painted, the stuff that we used was all art. All of our stuff was beautiful. Like the cradle board that we have for Paha that she sleeps in, that's art. That like spending long hours of beating or quilling that or the pottery that we use to drink out of, 
that was art too. It wasn't just like we go to Ikea, get a bowl because we need it because we're going to eat out of it. It was like everything that we used um, had to be a represent a representation of self. And it was like our blankets, our home, our uh, like teepees, they were, you know, decorated too. And it took a long time even just to make. And so I feel like um, when it when it comes to that decision, I just... I guess I'm just making my own rules and figuring out where it, what exactly I want to do. But then there is some hypocrisy in that because <laughs> I can only survive in this world because of the support of my husband who works in a museum, you know. And mm-hmm. so that's hypocritical, but, you know, that's what he wants to do and that's his decision. And that's what he loves. He loves working with collection items. And so I don't have any problem with that. Yeah. I mean, I think just the very idea of the word of hypocrites as it's just a crazy one because there's this everyone says nobody's perfect. um, But whenever we're not perfect, like hypocrite, it's like, how dare you have two different opinions at once? Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's human. Yeah, you're right. thing that I am guilty of and I was really guilty of as when I was a little bit younger is the romanticization of Native people, um, uh, of of viewing um, Native people as like the disappearing race. Um, I think, and just to interject what you're saying about um, the disappearing race, that's exactly why I decided to go into museum studies because the culprit to that, that idea of Americans and history books and the disappearing race effect, that was because of museums. Um, In early colonial times, after a battle or a war, many of the soldiers were commanded to grab as many artifacts or stuff, clothing, weaponry, anything from dead bodies and then they would take those things and they would ship it out to Great Britain and so Great Britain has um, their museums have one of the largest um, one of the largest I guess collections of uh, Native American artifacts and and then it was it was this whole idea that they needed to as they were conquering us and um, colonizing us it was this idea that they needed to grab as many um, evidence as possible that these people were savages and that these people lived here because they really did think that we were going to be non-existent. And, and they did really did everything in their power to um, make us non-existent, but we persevered to it. And today, um, just being um, Dakota, I am Sistan Wapton Dakota, and I am also Standing Rock, Hunkpapa, Lakota, and Dakota. So those are my two bands um, that I that I that I identify with, and that means 
um, our ways we say are a way of life. We don't have a religion. It's just how we were raised and how we view ourselves. And so being an indigenous person in the U.S., you are very much invisible because this world is very much looked at as a black and white world. You're either black or you're white. Anything in between is invisible. And I feel like being an indigenous person, especially now um, with the Trump wall and with the, with the government shutdown. This was recorded during the middle of the government shutdown. As I speak on February 11th, there's the possibility of another one, but I don't think that's going to happen. Because turns out, holding the country hostage for a municipal project that people don't want doesn't have great political benefits. I could be wrong, though. Things are crazy right now. Nobody realizes how much we're dependent on the government as is because there's treaties that are that that were agreed upon with the government and one of and a lot of we still um, the tribal governments depend on that and so when it's a shutdown that that affects us more um, food wise income wise just like it does everybody else but we're like one percent of the population now mm-hmm. and um, in any little thing it's like a big effect with us um, it affects our livelihood livelihood at a you know at a larger rate um because that's what we solely depend on is those treaties and you know that that agreement from you know early colonial ages so i i I feel like i've always known that ever since i was a kid um that i was invisible uh and i feel like now it's even more so um i i think when i was in high school I got to a point where I got tired of explaining to people who I was because when I share who I am, people are like, I don't know what that is, you know. And so uh, I more or less let people believe that I was Mexican because, you know, it was just less hassle and less being tired of answering dumb and ignorant questions mm-hmm. and if you just said you're Mexican then people are like oh you know like I know that I eat that food you know once a week or I like salsa dancing or you know and so um, you know I, it, I and I think now when I explain to people who I am I see like this kind of like gloss glossy eyes like I don't understand what that is and I think I like that now and especially with my children having um, traditional names I like putting people on I like making people uncomfortable with having to teach them how to say their names mm-hmm. because I've had to under I've had to say Catherine right you know I've had to say Patricia right or Theodore right and there was a point where I didn't know how to say those so there's so this is a time where I like educating other people on how to say things right Yeah yeah I mean it's it's, un- it's uncomfortable for um white people because I think the amount of like shame and guilt 
is is so subconsciously large. Um, I was looking up. I didn't know about General Sully, um, who was involved in the um, in the Dakota Wars and then the 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 backlash afterwards. And when I was looking him up, he had been uh, dishonorably discharged, or he got kicked out of the Civil War because he wasn't able to suppress a mutiny. Um, so they oh, sent I didn't a- know that part about him. Yeah. So they sent him out here. So you have just like this really angry, resentful, like the hatred that comes from failure and like guilt. And the same thing happened with um, Sibley, um, who was a, a failed fur trader and he got really far into debt. And so he um, sold out the Dakota people that he had connections with in order to like slide in under that deal and like take the take yeah. the money something yeah. like that yeah and it's funny because all of these men Custer Sully Sibley Sully um, ended up marrying a Dakota Dakota woman after the Dakota uprising and he his daughter Mary Sully became a well known artist and married. Um, a native man from Standing Rock, South Dakota. Uh, he's Hunkpapa, Lakota. And um, and so it's funny how I feel like that's kind of how it is to be native. It's like you hate us, but you love us. Mm-hmm. It's like people hate us because we're the first Americans, but then they love us. They like to romanticize us. You know, they there's even this, you need to watch, you need to read a book. It's called Skull Wars. It talks a lot about um, George Washington in his early days and why he was, why they decided to have him become the first president. Um, I'm sorry, she's getting really into baby Einstein. <laughs> but um, they said that um, before, you know, with the, with the European way of fighting, they used to fight in, in basically lines. Like, this is the... This is the artillery line, you know, where they shoot people. And this is the stabbing line. <laughs> so and, funny. And when they came here and they start fighting us, we are very guerrilla warfare. And so it's like we use all the elements to fight. And our, our men, you know, jump from trees. They didn't stand in lines and, like, fight each other like chest, you know? Yeah. Like, so um, George Washington wanted to mimic our style of combat and he won a lot of battles he was so good at it that they started to wear buckskin because the the cloth was um harder for them to fight in and it was in um and it people could hear them but when you would wear buckskin it was almost silent so they wore moccasins they wore like skins because it was easier to win and so they said that, you know, after he, after winning um, so many battles, they almost had to like clean him up afterwards because he was just so into, you know, being this American. And I, I guess um, early the word for American was traditionally used to describe Native Americans. So they'd call us savages, but they'd also call us Americans. So then when developing the United States, this idea of American is 
basically off of that wanting to be us. It's sorry, that's my phone. Oh. Um, which I will put on silent. So I guess like that's kind of the world we live in. And I feel like that's how life is. You're loved and hated. Your ways are looked at as pagan. recording yeah okay so this is something i think a lot about so all native people we all have different views not one tribe is the same um because we all have different teachings of like our creation stories are different and and they're all beautiful equally um but most of the stuff like death was celebrated as a joyous occasion because normally you died all while defending your people in battle or you died because of giving birth which is honorable or you died um because you're an elder you're you're old right and so those are all like celebrated things i think it's different now because we're in a different age where people are dying because of diabetes people are dying um because of alcoholism people dying because of suicide suicide is the um native people are one of the largest rates of suicide um people are murdered um young people die in accidents and so it's it's a new wave of death it's a different different reasons and so you have this old archaic celebration of life that's going against this new influx of what how people die and it it changes that that and i feel like um it's i feel like death is a different meaning now it's mm. it's tragic you know it used to be uh something positive it used to be celebrated um like the whole procession of what we did for death is we still do it but it's not the same anymore we mostly celebrate death now than um than new beginnings like births Your eulogy was produced and edited, and the music was done by me, Matthew Schneeman. Email me at youreulogymail at gmail.com. If you have any questions, interview, inquiries, whatever you want. I don't have a good signing off line yet, but my friend recommended I say, it's, someday I shall melt, but hopefully my love for you will remain forever. It's a reference to that my last name, Schneeman, means snowman. Not that great, but until then, it's what we got. Thank you. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.